10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Culver is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. Game week is officially here for A-State football going to talk about that here in just a minute but do want to tell you coming up here in the next few minutes we're going to be joined by former all-american former national player of the year at arkansas state in the bowling program just wrote her name all over the record book uh, during her time in jonesboro but just recently named the 2023 pwba bowler of the year jordan richard going to be joining us looking forward to that visit but As mentioned, game week for A-State football. It's finally here, 11 a.m., the kick time Saturday in Norman, Oklahoma, as the Red Wolves take on the Oklahoma Sooners. Yeah, counter to what you might think, driving by a certain wing joint in Jonesboro, A-State's on TV Saturday, too, (laughs) coming straight out of game day. That's pretty awesome. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of reasons for excitement here. Coming right out of college game day is one of the reasons usually they get that game started as soon as they're done with the picks whoever's making picks on the college game yep. day panel they'll wrap it up and then we're kicking off in norman great exposure being on the main espn for the television broadcast the uh radio broadcast of course we're excited about the addition of darian griswold fired up about that we always encourage everybody to sync up the audio from the radio broadcast and watch along on espn but as far as the other things we're looking forward to it's year three for coach jones at a state for those who don't know he's really turned a corner in year three at his other stops and you look at what he did at central michigan cincinnati tennessee the three stops combined the record is 29-9 and nine with two conference championships. This has been the year, year three, where you've started to see a lot of progress with his programs. And why not back-to-back number one recruiting classes for this program? And, I mean, you talk to people all the time. You hear the excitement just from the fan base as far as what this football program has brought in yeah i mean i think people are excited and just you know anxious to see what it looks like it because it's just in this day and age it's just so different it's interesting in this day where just people are trying to flip the roster flip the roster flip the roster and stay good with any new collection of transfers here you got coach jones and i don't and this is not a knock but it's sort of he has taken a little bit of a tortoise in the hair approach to this thing and that everybody else flying around and just completely reloading with transfers and tra- and and here he is just stacking those classes up and, and we're about to see if the old if the tortoise catches up here and when they do I just say that for a standpoint that he's committed to doing it quite honestly the the long hard way in the belief that it pays off more in the long run. I think you've made the comment before that if he's trying to get out of here and get another job quick he's sure not acting like <laughs> that's it. A, yeah absolutely. he's looking to build a program and he's looking to do it the right way this is still a very young roster and we had such a high percentage of underclassmen last year same thing this year but there's more experience than what you might think and mark taylor found this note from sports information i thought this was 
pretty neat, especially looking at the experience on defense. And this is defense alone. 25 letter winners return on defense, including six starters. And with the addition of four transfers, there's a combined 571 games played on defense, including 178 starts. I think that tells you that there is obviously a lot of experience there, but I think there's reason for hope. And in particular, one position group that we talk about a lot is the secondary. And Guys like Sammy Johnson and Leon Jones coming back. And then we've brought in some experienced transfers. Justin Hodges from UCF. I think our fans are going to be excited about him. Dante Thompson, the incarnate word transfer. And then everybody you're going to recognize in that safety core. Talking about Eddie Smith, Justin Parks, Travion Thomas, Taylor Doss. These are all names that... We've heard before. And then when you look up front, there's more experience with the linebacking core. Then a couple of young defensive ends. Keyron Crawford got a lot of reps last year as a true freshman. Ethan Hassler, another Memphis product, he's come in and kind of taken over at that other defensive end spot. So you and I talked about it a lot. The improvement just from year one to year two with the defense, I think they're ready to make another big jump this year. Well, I think they've you know they've got it you know in place now where those dudes just get to go play as opposed to do as much thinking as they had to do in year one of this defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everything's a little bit more you know reactionary now. You just get to kind of go cut loose and play, and I'm excited about uh, yeah the mix there as you said, talented newcomers, but even they have experience. You know those young guys on the end, hopefully getting to cut loose. You know like that's what I mean for a long time, long time. You know, that's where sort of Arkansas State seemingly had its bread and butter defensively. It just ends that really could go get after quarterbacks. I mean, you go, I mean, not just this run lately, but I mean, even back to this was D line U uh, yeah, at one but point. Even prior to that, you know, your Corey Williams and John Bradley oh, yeah. and this. I mean, just it just kind of keeps going back the history of havoc wreaking defensive ends. So maybe it's the the next guys in line. And then offensively. Some things to be excited about. Much bigger, deeper offensive line. The starters averaging over 320 pounds. Can't remember a time where we've been able to say that. The receiving core you can be excited about. Corey Rucker being back. Man, he's been fun to watch through preseason camp. He looks like the same guy we saw a couple of years ago. Jeff Foreman, Courtney Jackson, the Syracuse transfer guys that you can look out for. Looking forward to seeing the debut of J.T. Shrout. Now, we had him in on the podcast a few weeks ago before preseason camp began, but uh, out there at that quarterback position and had to face a little competition in camp with Jackson Daly and Jalen Rayner, and I think everybody's better for it. Zach Wallace, Jaquez Cross at that running back spot. Special teams should be solid again. Number two overall in special teams a year ago. Of course, you returned one of the better place kickers in the country with Dominic Zavada. And then in the return game, look, we talked about it last week. Jaquez Cross was the guy that everybody was talking about at that kickoff banquet a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) They said he's the guy that makes you say, wow, when you watch him in practice. Five of the seven players on the panel we had that night said Jaquez Cross was, was their guy that's wowed them. We'll see him in the kickoff return game. And look, he's got a chance to bust one at, at any moment. We had a really good one the last couple of years with Johnny Lang, but I think we've got another guy that can uh, certainly break one at, at any moment with Jaquez. Again, 
back to year one with coach alan lamar was oh, came yeah. in and did that role so they've just they've always for reasons we've talked about a lot been steady across the board in every special teams unit and of course just the challenge and the um, excitement of going to a place like oklahoma of course they're coming off a rare disappointing season when they won six games but this is year two for brent venables as head coach since taking over for lincoln riley and Listen, you know they're you, they're you, oklahoma yeah and you kind of get i mean no knock on who they had out there last year and i know they get some of those dudes back but i mean number one brent Vittables comes in and you know he's a defensive guy right and, yeah. and they've been really bad on defense he's not just can he's not just flipping that switch and all of a sudden they're playing defense the way he wants to play it mm-hmm. and then oh by the way i know you can go get guys in the portal and they did but you know the guy they lost won the heisman and is the favorite to do it again and maybe the number one pick in the draft so you don't just plug and play at that level and just not have some change in production or the way your offense looks again 11 a.m the kick time coming up on saturday as the red wolves open up the football season against the oklahoma sooners Our coverage on the network will begin at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Going to take a timeout, and when we come back, we'll be joined by former A-State All-American Jordan Richard. Stay tuned. Your first home is like this dream. The day you walk in, the sun seems to shine more brightly. The ceilings, they just seem taller. And you'll never fix that creaky floorboard because it sounds like comfort. What a hug would sound like if it made a sound. And that's when you realize... Your home. Really, really home. Realize your dream with a home loan from Simmons Bank. Dreams realized. SimmonsBank.com. Member FDIC, equal housing lender, subject to credit approval. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at ImpactClub.com. That's Impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our programs right now. Wolves up. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. And we are pleased to be joined right now by a former three-time first-team All-American, a two-time Division I National Player of the Year. And here in the last couple of weeks, she was named the 2023 PWBA Player of the Year. Hello, Jordan Richard. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm glad you saw your former three-time All-American because what she's not <laughs> is like, and I, and I didn't think you were going here, but I wanted to make real sure. She's not a former Red Wolf. She's a Red Wolf. And that's just it. <laughs> you oh, know, you gosh. Don't, you don't get you're out of Red that. Red Wolf for life? Yeah. What do you do? How, how do you find out that you're the... Uh, professional women's bowling association player of the year how do you celebrate once you find out we didn't celebrate too much because i had i had found out that i had won the night that we finished round three of one of our last stops um and then the next day was the tv show for that stop that i made um so we didn't really celebrate too much but once i got back home we kind of had a little get together with like all of my family and friends from here and we just had like a little cookout together because it goes am i right like it's the accumulation of points so once you like made that show i mean you got to a point where you couldn't be caught you locked it up right yeah there was a situation with like the girl that was in second if she happened to win that event i had to get like second or third or something along those lines 
but she couldn't catch me and she ended up i don't even know what place she actually finished uh in that event but once she didn't make the tv show i had locked it up already well congratulations obviously this is a huge deal for you but did i see where you recently got engaged too is that right (laughs) i did in fact get engaged on friday friday wow okay so was it a total surprise did you know it was coming well we had dated um actually through my three years in Arkansas. And then once I kind of moved back home, we kind of split up. And so it was kind of a long time coming, I want to say. But we just recently got back together a couple months ago. We had went ring shopping together, but he said that he was going to make it a surprise. And he did, in fact, make it a surprise because I had no idea that it was going to happen on Friday. So this is this an Arkansas guy? No, he's from here. Okay. Yep, but we met through bowling, and then we dated. Um, we started dating right before I had moved down there for my sophomore year. He's a bowler, too? He is a bowler. Is he any good? Yeah, he bowls on the men's tour. Oh, well, he is good, then. That's okay. <laughs> well, is he better than you? Depends what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so you said you're here. We need to tell everybody where here is. You're actually back in your hometown of Tecumseh, Michigan, and you're actually basing out of there now. Yep. Once I graduated college, I decided to move back home because it was I didn't really have anything to stay like in Arkansas for. Um, and then I went right on tour. I actually like was home for like two days once I had moved home and went on tour. And then I stayed here I had moved to Ohio for a couple of years, and then I just recently moved back to Tecumseh, and I will probably be here for quite a while. And it's, like you said, when you finished college, it wasn't even a big mystery what was going to happen. You were going to go be a pro, and <laughs> I mean, Jonesboro would have been a tough place to base that out of. The, the, the places you got to get on that pro tour, they're hard to get to from Jonesboro. Yeah, we fly a lot. Um, some of them we can drive to, but... I mean, even like now being at home, I'm still an hour from the airport. So even if I would have like stayed there, I mean, Memphis is what, like an hour and a half to the airport. So it's still quite of a drive. How did you get into all this stuff? You know, your parents, I, I guess, are bowlers too. Is that right? They are. Uh, my family actually owns a bowling center, which is why I grew up in bowling. Yeah, they've owned it. My grandparents owned it and then passed it down to my parents now. So we're pretty much just a big bowling family. So what's that like the first time you roll back in there after being the the player of the year? I know you said you know there was a small celebration, but I mean, like, what's the vibe like when you go back to the center that your family has owned for generations, and now you're you know the best player on the pro tour? I'm sure it'll probably change once like we open back up full time because in the summer we're kind of we're open a couple days a week, but it's pretty much like the slow time. So once like league starts back up, which is actually in the next couple of weeks, I'm sure it'll be a lot different. But this is actually my first day back here since I've been home. But it's not, I mean, it's just nice. And the familiarity of it just brings you back to like, I couldn't accomplish those dreams without this place. When was the first time you picked up a bowling ball then? When I could walk. <laughs> <laughs> when did you take the bumpers away? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. You ever have them? That's a better question. I don't see being. I mean, you ever had the bumpers or pushed it off the, you know, off the little slide rack? I want to picture it that when she started doing it, she was doing it right from the get go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm not sure when I did all that. I don't remember that part. 
very good high school career, two-time Michigan high school individual champion. But you actually began your collegiate career at Central Missouri. Spent one year there, and you were the Division Two, Division Three National Player of the Year in that one year at Central Missouri. So what made you make that move to Arkansas State after one year? I went to Central Missouri with my twin, and my older sister actually was still there. So she was going to coach with the head coach there, which is the majority of the reason why we picked to go there together. But, you know, as bowling went on and it wasn't so much of like the school aspect of it, I wasn't getting out of it what I wanted out of it. I didn't feel like I was getting any better. I didn't feel like I was learning anything. And, you know, the whole point of moving 12 hours away from home to bowling college is to get out everything that I could put into it. So I made the, her, me and my sister both made the tough decision to transfer. We had sent our letters to a couple places and Justin got our letter sometime during the week. It was like the week right after nationals had concluded. And he brought us in on a visit for the weekend and we committed while we were on our visit because we liked it so much. You grew up in a bowling center that was owned by your grandparents, then your parents. You have a twin sister that's a bowler. You're engaged to a bowler. With all that being said, you ever know anybody who likes to talk bowling more than Justin Kostick? (laughs) No, not at all. I can't imagine there's anybody who likes it that much. But how did he help you? How did he help you get better? That's what you wanted. You wanted to go to a place that was going to make you better. Yeah. I wanted more out of my college experience. I've always wanted to be the best, and I didn't feel like I could be the best where I was. So we chose to transfer. I mean, it was such a tough time in our lives. You know, I'm walking away from a scholarship that's paying for my education to hopefully find the same thing somewhere else. Gosh, I remember going through it with my parents, and my dad wouldn't even like talk to us. He wanted nothing to do with it. You're putting so much at risk at the time, but I felt like it was necessary. And so when I had talked to a couple of the girls on the team and they had talked about Justin and just like the things that they learn and the things that they do, like I thought that it would be a good fit. But over the course of my three years, you know, I was always well-disciplined. My parents were very disciplined on us and made sure that we were all disciplined in anything that we did. I mean, I've always been that way, but I think like once I got to Arkansas, it was more of just fine-tuning my game and learning like the logistics of it and learning more of all the other aspects that go into just bowling. You know, we broke my game down a little bit when I got there and kind of built it stronger. Like we practice five days a week. And at that point in time, like you just become a better athlete. And I did just that. And I mean, I don't want to say I didn't focus on school. Like I got good grades, but you know, my purpose of being there was to bowl. And I asked a lot of questions and he taught me a lot. And it wasn't questions of like questioning why he was doing the things that he was doing. It was questioning so I could understand and know where he was coming from so I could learn from it. Once I had graduated and went out on tour, you know, I felt like I was set because I had learned so much in those three years that I was a better bowler. Whereas a lot of people sometimes like they don't get that opportunity. And when they come out on tour, It's such a transition, but they don't know how to make that transition. And I felt like I made that transition really well because I asked so many questions and got out so much of my experience. Like I made sure to talk and do all these things that would help me learn. And that's why I am in the position that I'm in now. So pretty early on, I mean, 
I could even say it may have been even before you guys competed for Arkansas State, but you were here. I mean, I Justin Kostick, I remember him telling me, Jordan Richards is going to be the best bowler in the world. <laughs> I mean, he said that from the get-go. So, A, like, <laughs> you laugh. Why did he say that, or how did he know this is what was going to happen? Because he's told me it before. You know, and some people have told me that before, but until you actually do it, you don't believe it. Well, it's good to have that kind of confidence from your head coach, which you obviously had from the start. You go on, and we mentioned it earlier, first team All-American all three years you're here, National Player of the Year the last two seasons. But when you go back and and you kind of look at it big picture, what are you most proud of during your time at A-State? You know, when I was going through it, I always reminded myself that the wins weren't going to be what I remembered why I was there. And I got out so much of the friend aspect and you realize those relationships that you make along the way are what's going to be what you remember. So, you know, I got to spend those four years living in the same dorm room as my sister and we got to do everything together. But It's just the people that you meet along the way that help you get here. If I did not make that transfer, I don't think I would be in this situation. I don't think I would be as good of a bowler as I am now. So I will forever be grateful for that move that I'd made. But it really isn't about all the wins. It was just the time that we spent together and the things that we did off the lanes and how many times like the conversations that I had with Justin or the girls in the vans on the way home, like, you know, it's all that stuff that I remember. And it makes me sad that it's all over. You know, you blink and it's over. And and it is true. I mean, you guys are cranking out all Americans and you're the player of the year. And and, and you look over the, the entirety of this program and literally the A state bowling program has done every feasible <laughs> possible thing it can do except when the national championship. Does that drive you crazy that you get out of here without one? It does, in fact, drive me crazy. You know, I still think about it, that that is the one thing that I did not accomplish. That, And unfortunately, I can't go back on it. <laughs> and I know that there are so many more wins that come and have come after it. But I do still think about the fact that I, I did never win. An amazing run during your time at Arkansas State. But, you know, you made that transition to your professional career before you did that though you won the 2018 u.s amateur then you joined the tour pwba rookie of the year in 2018 great success you know right out of the gate but then this year really kind of turned a corner it seemed won three tournaments your name player of the year on the tour so how do you top what you've already done i don't think that it will be topped unless you tell me that i go and win like five titles next year but um it's all just going to be about putting myself in a position to win and outside of that spending time with the girls that I get to on tour, you know, I became really good friends with some of these girls and we spend all summer together and then we go back home to our own lives and we're all in different states and it just sucks. But I did, I had a few life changes the past couple months that really like, I wouldn't say set me up for what I have done, but it's all about perspective and everything in your outside life really does have an influence on things that are on the lanes. So I did make some big changes, but I'm happy with them and I'm happy with the season that I had. The goal every year is to be player of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if this doesn't end up being the hardest question to answer. Maybe not. We'll find <laughs> out. Why are you so good? <laughs> I'm good because <laughs> when I was younger, I had parents that made me be disciplined. 
and taught me way more about life lessons than it was about bowling and being a good person and that life comes full circle. You know, they taught me so much along the way. And then they send me off 12 hours away to kind of use everything that I had learned throughout the years, you know, and then once I got to college and you practice five days a week, you become good at what you're doing, you know, and I had a good coach that was always on me. And there are plenty of times that we got into it, good and bad, just for the sake of him wanting me to be the best. And, you know, at the time, sometimes you don't think about it. And you think that these people are just being hard on you and you want to give up and you just want to cry. You know, we've all been there, but it just pushes you to be that much better. And I feel like I've always kind of looked at that side, you know, not always in the moment, but I have always tried to see the good and that these people that are pushing me is because they want nothing but the best for me. I'm going to ask one more and then I'll be done. (laughs) From my standpoint, I know what Justin Kostick told me all those years back when you got here. And I know sort of what the player of the year title signifies, but you obviously got a much bigger picture. You know a lot more about it than I do. So in your head right now, you're the best player in the world. Thank you. I feel like it's hard to kind of say that because there's so many other international things, but for right now, I would say yes. Good enough by me. Hey, we'll say it too. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Jordan, we appreciate you joining us. It's been fun catching up with you. Really, really proud of everything you're doing, and uh, you're certainly making a whole lot of Red Bulls fans proud as well. So keep it going, and good luck to you the rest of the year. Thank you. I appreciate it. That's Jordan Richard joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We'll wrap things up right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolf fans, this is Demario Davis, proud Red Wolf and linebacker for the New Orleans Saints. And I'm asking you to help out our current A-State student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This organization helps our program stay competitive and supports our players by facilitating NIL agreements that allow them to endorse local charities, make a monthly commitment, and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at Impact Club. Thank you, and Wolves up. Hey, basketball schedules came out last week. Yeah. And for those who missed it, kind of sum it up real quick. In the non-conference, the men are on the road a lot, and the women are at home a lot. A lot, yeah. And uh, if you're a listener to this podcast, then you weren't caught off guard by the men's non-conference schedule, right? Because Brian Hodson sat right in this chair beside me and said, look, we're not going to have as many non-conference home games as we're going to want to have in year one. Yeah, he and didn't it, lie and, to and us. And he went into the reasons of why that was the case, and it is the case. I guess you know, right now as we're sitting here in terms of actual non-conference regular season home games, there are four, counting the uh, game in the MAC Challenge a little bit later in the season. There's also an exhibition, and I think maybe even something else brewing that we'll hear about later on. But he took this team he put together and threw them right in the deep end. 
Well, and you mentioned the home games. I do want to mention a couple of SWAC teams coming in, but we've got a really good team coming in here on December 9th when UAB comes to town. And look, they were in the NIT championship a year ago. I think they were top 40 in the RPI a year ago. So Andy Kennedy will bring his team in on December 9th, and that hopefully will be a lot of fun. Well, I want A-State fans to circle that date right now because it also just so happens to be the date the A-State women are playing Louisiana Tech at home. That's a really, really cool day of basketball, the women against Louisiana Tech and the men against UAB. We'll do some fun stuff. So right now, start planning on being in Jonesboro December 9th. The women have just... Two, well, actually, with the MAC Challenge, I guess they've got three non-conference road games. But they open on the road at South Dakota State November 6th. Another date that I know fans are going to want to circle is November 17th. That's when Arkansas comes here. Right now, so, hey, if you're an A-State fan and you're not in Northeast Arkansas, you're anywhere else in the state or anywhere else in the country listening just plan on coming to Jonesboro for the weekend of the 17th and 18th, right? Because it's the women against Arkansas on Friday night the 17th and the last regular season home football game of the season the next day. Yeah. So you can make a weekend of it. Soccer, interesting week <laughs> for them. Yeah. A no contest last Thursday against Jackson yeah. State. And you know the insides of this mm-hmm. better than I do, but uh, I know the original scheduled start time was 4 o'clock Thursday. That was moved up to 11. Now, am I wrong in saying we tried to get it to be even earlier than that? I do think there was a desire on, on the A-State end to go even earlier than 11. And for whatever reason, 11 was the earliest they could kick it off and uh, of course you know what was sort of hamstring in the whole thing is we don't have lights at soccer and so to play you had to play in the sunshine and so they go at 11 they get the first half in jackson state actually scored first uh red wolves come back and get a couple of goals take a 2-1 lead at the half the teams go all the way through halftime come out and really they're everybody's out there to start the second half and i'm not sure the ball hasn't even been laid down and uh, I happen to be working in the ESPN Plus production truck mm-hmm. on this game. And so I'm seeing all the monitors, and we got this shot of the head official walking out on the field with the wet bulb globe thermometer before they started the second half. And he's sitting there, you know, he's holding this thing, and he gets the reading. And all of a sudden, I mean, our, the players are on the field. And he turns out and walks, and the next thing you know, he's kind of talking to coaches. And the next thing you know, facilities is over there. And the next thing you know, you know Amy Holt, the senior women's administrator, is over there. And Nick Grievous, who's over our facilities, is on the phone, presumably with the Sunbelt office, which was the case. And there's all these conversations going on about – because the, the NCAA, much less the conference, the NCAA doesn't have a guideline in place for heat. So it kind of – Boiled down to like nobody really knew kind of whose call is this at the end of the day, whether we play or not. Because the teams were sitting there, they both want to play. Whose decision is this? And it's a non conference match, and the Sun Belt didn't really have guidelines in place, so they didn't really want it on their hands to tell us whether to play or not. And as it shook out, it kind of became a deal where it was clear that the decision ultimately was going to lie in the, in the hands of the officials. And once that was the case, the day came to a pretty abrupt end. Yeah, I've never heard of a game being called due to excessive heat. Have we heard of other games around the country or at any point being called due to the heat? I I don't know. 
Coach Dooley the next day said, look, I think this, I think the NCAA is going to start now dis- discussing this, putting a guideline in place. He said, boy, he sure was thrilled. They're going to be now the case study because we did all learn and he knew it, but the rest of us learned the NCAA rule for such is that a volleyball match is official once you played 70 minutes of the 90. A soccer our, match. Our players, mean? yeah, a soccer <laughs> match. Our players... I had players come off the field, and I think even on our broadcast, it was probably said Arkansas State wins two to one. Our players came off the field thinking they won two to one, and maybe Coach Dooley already knew that, but in pretty short order, he knew that was not the case. It was a no contest because it hadn't reached seventy minutes, and it was, I mean, I was well, brutally a, it, hot. Yes, and a shame that after all that. There's no game, yeah. no and contest. I, I talked with, you know, Darby Stotts came off the field and was talking with her family, and I went over to visit her, and, and I don't think she mind me telling her. She's like, I've got mixed feelings on this deal because obviously you, we want to play. Mm. She said, but it was unbearable. Oh, I'm sure. Obviously, you think about the worst, and we avoided that. Yep. So that's the most important thing. They did come back and play at UCA on Sunday night, and – that game ended in a 2-2 draw. All the scoring happened in the first half. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the Red Wolves now 1-1-1 and on the season. They'll be at Kansas Thursday at 7 and then home once again against Southeastern Louisiana Sunday at 1. Did have a goal in the second half, wiped off due to offsides in that uh, oh, UCA yeah? match. By the end of the A series, goal that we scored? Yeah. Even Ted Lasso, I guess, would have known it was offside. He learned that by the end of season three, so I guess he'd have known <laughs> if it was the right call or not. Volleyball, how about their start over yeah. the weekend? They won all three matches at the A-State Invitational. Love the way they got started on Friday, sweeping a couple of old rivals with Little Rock and Louisiana Tech, and then won a five-set thriller over North Alabama on Saturday. Coached by Tristan Johnson who was David Rear's assistant before Brian Gerwig. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's married to a, an A-State player and a Valley View girl. So, uh, you know, Jonesboro's a place he spends a lot of time, and he was happy. Got, I sat and visited with him uh, actually quite a bit during our match against Little Rock on Friday afternoon. So I got to talk with Tristan and know what this place means to him and obviously his family. And it was great to have him in town. And then, yeah, those two David Rear assistants went after it Saturday afternoon. I'm sure Coach Rear was watching – from Houston or wherever his team was at. Speaking of Houston, that's where the uh, Red Wolves will be this week. They're traveling to Houston Christian, formerly Houston Baptist. And they're going to play in the Molly Howard Gerwig Memorial Tournament. Now, for those who don't know, Molly was an assistant at Houston Christian and wife of A-State head coach Brian Gerwig. So, I can't imagine how emotional this weekend is going to be for him, but the Red Wolves will be there. They'll take on Prairie View A&M and Houston Christian on Friday, and then uh, we'll face Penn on Saturday. Yeah, great start for them. Hopefully, uh, with all these newcomers, I mean, they've got four upperclassmen on the roster. And the rest are, uh, you know, the youngsters. So great start for them. And next said, I think it will be emotional. And he's going to see a lot of familiar faces down there this weekend on top of playing in a tournament that, or in an event that's got his uh, late wife's name on it. So, yeah, I'm sure it'll be emotional. And I hope his team responds favorably to that. Anything else we need to well, discuss? 
I mean, I just say very quickly, something that was already stupid and now is stupider in the day and age of uh, the transfer portal. And like I said, it was already stupid. Preseason polls. Oh, yeah. Stupider than ever. I, mean, it, I think that's been proven time and again. Oh, yeah. I mean, what? It's in the last, uh, I actually uh, heard this on the ticket the other day. Where mm-hmm. Over the last two seasons, there have been 11 and then 10 teams in the preseason top 25 that ended the season in the top 25. I didn't know it was that high of a number as far as teams that uh, did not finish in the top 25 that were picked. But the problem is that people still like give it credence. Like, and they use the preseason poll to stack the deck against a group of five teams. And right, So like these people who don't know anything about these teams, I mean, you cannot know everything everybody's got right now. Yeah. But you're still assigning these number values to them. And really, the power leagues will sort it all out. But for the rest of us, I mean, it, they're just it establishes kind of how many hurdles they have between you and trying to get into that picture. Last I checked, Troy's on the second longest win streak in the country, right? Yeah. Behind Georgia. And you know, one thing you'll see more and more as we go throughout the year, there's going to be a group of five teams in the top 25. They just never seem to start out yeah, that way. that's right. Can't wait to get to Norman. Again, the Red Wolves take on Oklahoma in the season opener Saturday at 11 a.m. Our network coverage begins at 9. Do want to thank Jordan Richard for joining us a little bit earlier. Really enjoyed that visit. Thanks to our man Mark Taylor for setting that up. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody.